I uh, got a phone call about a month ago uh, from some college students, and uh, they worked at a you know college newspaper, and they wanted to know what I thought was um, the one verse. If you were to just take one verse from all of these verses between you know these leather bound covers here. What's the one verse, if I had to pick one, that best captured what this season was all about, what verse would I pick? And there are a lot, but there was one verse that came right to my mind, and it was John 3.16. Most of us know what John 3.16 says, but I know there might be one or two of you here, maybe one of you watching online or something, and you don't know what it says, you don't know anything about it. So let's look at the Jumbotron just real quick. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That was the, the one verse that I gave these college students. And like I said, I think it was going to end up in their newspaper that they were going to pass around on, on their, their college campus. 26 words. That's how many are up there right, there right there. 26. I think they might be the 26 most powerful words ever written. Those 26 words right there literally changed my life. I grew up right here in Modesto. I went to Fremont Elementary School, went to Roosevelt Junior High, Grace M. Davis, went to the junior college. And those words didn't mean anything to me. I didn't grow up believing in God or anything like that. Had Christmas trees in my home, had lights up around my house. We had presents under the tree, had wreaths up on our door and things like that, but didn't believe in God. Obviously, something happened, right? Those 26 words up there radically, you know, changed most of our lives in this room. Last night, Thursday night, those 26 words radically changed a number of people's lives that were here. Maybe that will happen uh, to you. I think... Um, to better understand this verse, I kind of tweaked it a little bit so you can understand it maybe a little bit more. So it says, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that if you believe in him, shall not perish, but you'd have eternal life. You see, when you Look at John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That doesn't mean that he loved the globe. I think he probably did. He, he loves all of his creation. But he's talking about you. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, that if you would believe in him, you wouldn't perish, but you'd have eternal life. Now, I want to take a moment, just unpack these 26 words for you, just, just, just quickly. I think most people, even Christians, when they think of this time of year, they primarily think of the beauty of it. They think of the, the you know, the, 
You know, we all have beautiful Christmas trees in our homes, most of us, right? Or in our apartment complexes or whatever it might be. I've been in a lot of homes and, you know, I've never seen an, an, an ugly tree. You might want to get that. Our trees are decorated up really beautifully. Got stockings hanging up. All the, 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 the presents are decorated up all beautifully. We have beautiful you know, lights on our homes. My neighborhood just literally transforms. It's usually at, you know, dark and ugly when I'm driving down my street at night, but all of a sudden this time of year, it looks like that. There's all this beauty associated with this time of year. You got, you got decorations within our homes. And we transform our homes, don't we? We put special runners up. We put candles and little, little berries around. And we have nativity scenes. And we have wreaths and, and, and candles and all kinds of stuff. I think one of the... The, the, the things that really captures maybe the beauty of this season are all the Christmas cards that are sent and received. I think when most people think of this season, they think of the beauty of it all. But there is something that's kind of, kind of interesting. When you really look at John 3.16, there's something right under the surface of all of this beauty that's weird. There's something a little off when you get to this time of year. Beneath all of the beautiful lights on our homes, beneath all of the beautiful presents under the tree and all of the wreaths and all of the decorations, that, that there's something off this time of year that nobody really wants to talk about. In fact, I received a, a, a couple of cards and uh, they're beautiful. Th th this one says, rejoice! And it's got this beautiful, you know, blue um, front and you open it up and it says, this Christmas, may your heart rejoice in knowing you've received from him the greatest gift of all. And as beautiful as this card is and this little message right here, that there's, there's something right under the surf, surface of it that is unspoken. In fact, I think probably two of the most iconic pictures, I, I received this one also. It's got, uh, you know, the wise men, Pastor Bobby talked about it, you know, kind of coming into to Bethlehem. And there's the star. And even in a card like this, there's something right under the surface that they're not telling us. Something's going on. Yes, it's a beautiful time of year. Lots of beauty everywhere, but there's something missing in all of the cards and in all of the decorations that we have. I, I received this one also. It's really great. It's very iconic and it's, you know, Mary and Joseph, you know, in the manger with the baby, and there you got the, the shepherds and all of that. And it's a beautiful picture, beautiful card. But here's the deal. If you just take a second and you look at that, there's something going on 
there's something right under the surface that's ugly and nobody wants to talk about it. And I think we will see what that is as we just kind of walk through John 3.16 together. And what I did was I just want to unpack it by asking three simple questions and then we'll be done, okay? Question number one, why does God love you? The first six words of John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, for God so loved you. Six words. And the question that you gotta wrestle around with, I think for at least a, a moment or two is, why? Why does God love me? Okay, pastor, I've heard you say it, I've had other Christians in my life tell me that God loves me, but why does he love me? Why? Look, <laughs> I know me. I'm not sure why God would love me. I know all the things I used to be involved in. I know all the crummy things I used to say. I know all the crummy things I used to do. I know uh, how I used to treat people. I knew, you know, know all the things that used to come out of this mouth of mine. <laughs> I had a hard time loving me. Why would God love me? I had a girlfriend when I was in high school. Her name was Sandy. We told each other we loved each other. I love you. I love you too. We even thought about the names of our children. Had them all picked out. She broke up with me. <laughs> I mean, Sandy doesn't even love me anymore. <laughs> I had a dad who uh, divorced my mom and left when I was a kid. Wasn't even sure my own father loved me. Some of you might know that feeling. And so, hey, pastor, that is a good question. Why does God love me? What's, what's that all about? I don't even really like myself all that much. I have people in my life who don't even love me. I'm not even sure my own parents love me. In fact, my parents blew me off. I don't even know who they are. But you're trying to tell me that God loves me? Why does God love us? And it's, um, it's a question that thankfully is, is answered in the scriptures. And to find the answer, you have to go to the very first book of the Bible, which is the book of Genesis. You gotta go to the very first chapter of the very first book, Genesis chapter one, and it says this. It's a beautiful passage. God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness. So God created human beings in his image. Beloved, listen to me. <laughs> the reason why God loves you is because you were made in his image. You were made in his image. God created everything. He created goats and frogs and, you know, uh, porcupines and beetles. He created everything, but we're the only thing that was created in his image. You. You were actually created in the very image of God. 
It's, it's what um, gives your life dignity. It's what sets human life apart from all other life. We call it the sanctity of life. It, it, human life is sanctified. It, it's set apart. It's, it's like no other life form around. Because God, when he got to you, made you in his very image. So when you look in the mirror and you see yourself, you may have had people in your life who didn't love you. You may have had people in your life who blew you off. I don't know what your story is. All I know is, is that the truth is, is that you are made in God's image and he cares deeply about you. James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, said this, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Isn't that great? And that makes sense, doesn't it? If we were actually made in his image, then we would be his prized possession because we were made in his image. So, so why does God love you? God loves you because he created you. You were created in his image. Now, now the second question, we're gonna to start to dig down a little bit to this, this ugly side to Christmas. Why did God need to give us his son? These are the next eight words. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You see those next eight, eight words? That he gave his one and only son. Why did God need to give his son? Okay, pastor, I understand the first part. You're telling me that I'm made in the very image of God. Yeah, I get that. But why those next eight words? Why did God need to give his one and only son? Why should I rejoice? Why are there wise men coming into Bethlehem? Why is there a Mary and a Joseph sitting in a manger with Jesus? Why? What's just under the surface of all of this beauty that we see at Christmas time. Well, here's the deal. One of the things that God wanted when he created you was he wanted you to love him. He wanted you as his special creation, as somebody made in his image, he wanted you to love him. He loves you. He just wanted you to love him back. But to pull that off, God had to do something really unique with human life. He had to give us what we call a, a free will. He had to give us the ability to choose to love him back. Because if we don't have the choice to love God back, then it's really not love. I mean, if somebody puts a gun to your head and says, hey, you love me? Yeah, I love you. That's not really love, is it? How many of you, when you were younger, had a chatty Kathy doll? A bunch of you, yeah. Remember that? For those of you who didn't have one, had a little ring in the back, and you pulled it, and when you let it go, Kathy, Chathy loves you, I love you. Chatty Kathy loves you, I love you. 
I love you. Catty Chathy loves you. I love you. Chatty Cathy loves you. I'm going to bum some of you out. Catty Chathy really didn't love you. <laughs> there was a little computer chip in the back. Listen to me, friend. God didn't want a bunch of Catty Chathy dolls that just simply said, I love you, God. I love you. I love you, God. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, God. Because that wasn't real love. So God gave us a free will. We can choose to love him or we can choose to blow him off. We can choose to not even believe in him. And when you go all the way back to Genesis chapter one, where it says God, you know, said, let us make man in our image, he did. He created Adam and Eve in his image. And he said, Adam, Eve, here are the things I want you to do with your life. Here are the things I want you to stay away from. And Adam and Eve used their free will in a really crummy way. They disobeyed God. And at that moment, everything changed. This thing called sin came into the world. In fact, Romans chapter five says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. It's one of those great passages that you, that, that just, uh, just rich with theological truth. That when Adam and Eve sinned, it brought sin into the world. And so when they had their first children, Cain and Abel, guess what? Cain and Abel were born with a sinful nature. And Cain ends up killing Abel. And then there were more children born sinful, more children born sinful, more children born sinful. You get to where we're at today, and guess what? You came out of your mama's womb a sinner. You have a sinful nature. And you know what's interesting? You can see that sinful nature even with little babies, can't you? Take two two-year-olds and put them in a room together with one ball, <laughs> and you can just see the sinful nature. Selfishness. I want the ball. It's my ball. No, it's your ball. I know grandma and grandpa like to call them little angels, but those little angels grow up to be teenagers, don't they? <laughs> and it's obvious. You see, all of us, the Bible says, every one of us has sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. When Adam and Eve made the decision, the very first two human beings on planet Earth, they used their free will to blow off God. It just changed everything. Everything changed. And so we all kind of come into this thing called life already at odds with God. The great prophet Isaiah said, all of us like sheep have gone astray. We've left God's paths to follow our own. In other words, what the great prophet is saying is, we're all just like Adam and Eve. All of us have made the choice to just kind of do life our own way. We're, we're the CEO of our lives. We're in control. We, we, we don't really care all that much what God has to say about life. In fact, sin has ran so deep in some of your lives you don't even believe in them. That's how powerful sin is. 
You don't even believe in him. I know for a lot of years of my life, I didn't believe in him either. Proverbs chapter 20 says this, who can say I've kept my heart pure and I'm clean and without sin? And the answer is nobody. There's nobody in this room who can stand up and say, Pastor, you don't know me. There's no sin in my life. Because if you're here with your spouse and you were to say, stand up and say that, it would just take us about 10 seconds of talking with your spouse to clear that up, wouldn't it? <laughs> we've all sinned, we've all blown it, we've all disobeyed God, we've all done things that we knew were wrong, we've all said things that we knew were wrong. One of the great gifts that God gave us was this thing called a conscience. Pesky little thing, isn't it? The reason why God gave it to you is so that you could, um, you could be informed of when you were thinking about something that was wrong, when you were saying something that was wrong, when you were doing something that was wrong. You see, what a conscience is, it's given to you by God to let you know and remind you that there's sin within you. that you're doing something wrong, you're saying something wrong, you're thinking about doing something that's wrong, and your conscience just kicks in. It's a great gift from God, and it reminds us of our sin. The great prophet went on to say, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sin, he has turned away, and he will not listen any anymore, it's sin. Yes, it's a, a beautiful time of year, but all the decorations on your tree don't talk about sin, do they? All of the beautiful wrapped presents underneath your tree don't talk about sin. All the wreaths on your home, all the beautiful candles you've got up, don't say a word about sin. As you drive home tonight and you see all the lights on all the homes that you know, you know, make your neighborhood beautiful, not a one of them says anything about sin. Very rarely will you open up one of these beautiful cards that you buy at Hallmark and read something about sin. We don't want to talk about the ugly side of Christmas. We just want to talk about the beauty of it. But there is something just right under the surface of all of this beauty. And it's sin. Sin ruined our relationship with God. It broke the, the beautiful relationship that we had with God. And because he loved you so much, because you were made in his image, he sent his son to deal with the sin in your life. The Bible says in Luke chapter two, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. You see, that's why we have a season like this. A savior has been born to you. You, you were made in God's image. He loves you deeply and sin ruined that. And so he sends his son, a savior. He didn't send an accountant, because you don't need one. He didn't send a lawyer, because you don't need a lawyer. 
He didn't send a doctor because you don't need a doctor. And he didn't send a pastor because you don't need a pastor. I can't fix the problem of sin. An accountant can't fix the problem of sin. A lawyer can't. Only a savior can. God knew exactly what we needed and that's what he sent. Matthew chapter one says, she, that's Mary, will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The great apostle Paul wrote these words. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world. He was born in that little town in Bethlehem to save sinners. That's why he came. That's what's right under the surface of all the beauty that you see this time of year, is this really dark thing, sin. When you have a true understanding of just how ugly and damaging sin is, it makes you know, Christ, this Christmas season really beautiful. You see, the reason why I decorate my tree up and put all those ornaments on it, and the reason why I put wreaths and candles in my home and I put all those lights on my house is because I get it. I like the beauty of the season, but I have a richer uh, understanding of it because I understand what's right below the surface. That sin had messed up everything between God and I. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, that baby that was born in Bethlehem, he grew up when he was about 32 years old. He said, I have come in order that you might have life. That's why he came. Sin just brought death. And Jesus came and he said, let me tell you why I'm here. I came that you might have life, life in all of its fullness. And the, the apex of that life is when we're with him in glory in heaven. That's the apex of it all. But I think he was also saying, down here on planet Earth, while you're here, I want you to have an unbelievable life, a life full of purpose, a life full of meaning. One of the, the great things when I think about what Jesus said here in John 10 is this, is that Jesus didn't say, I've come to give you more things to do in your life. Aren't you glad he didn't say that? He didn't say, I've come that you might have a religion. Whew. There's not a religion out there that'll save you from your sins. A religion wasn't born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. A person was. The Savior was. Jesus didn't say, I've come that you might have a set of rules and regulations to live by. He didn't say that. He said, I've come to give you life, an unbelievable life, a life that will go on forever and ever and ever and ever, even after you take your last breath here on planet Earth. It will go on forever and ever and ever. So why did God need to give us his one and only son? Well, he, he did that to make it possible to have your sins forgiven and thus restore the relationship. Now just because he came doesn't mean the relationship's been restored, it just made it possible that it could be. 
Which brings me to the last question. What's my responsibility to fix the broken relationship? Well, now we gotta look at the last 12 words. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and here we go, the last 12 words, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What's your responsibility? See, the beauty behind John 3.16 is it kind of just lays out everything pretty clearly for us all. God says, I love you. I sent my son to die for you. And if you'd put your trust in him, you'll have that eternal life. I'll, I'll take care of the sin, God says. I'll deal with the sin. See, here's the deal. If God doesn't deal with the sin, how can he let us into heaven? Could you imagine if he let us into heaven with all of our sin? If he let us into heaven with all of our sin, it would take about 20 seconds for heaven to be just as messed up as planet Earth is, right? So it's the sin that has to be dealt with. He can't allow us into heaven with all of our sin. And how we deal with that sin is by inviting his son into our lives. The Bible says in John chapter one, he, that's Jesus, came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Some of you are here tonight. You walked in here and you don't recognize him. For a good part of my life, a couple of decades, I didn't recognize him either. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave those people the right to become children of God. Not everybody's a child of God. Everybody is created by God, but not everybody's a child of God. You become a child of God when you give your life over to him. Then you become a part of his family. They, those that believe, are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. You see, all of us were born physically, right? We all came out of our mother's wombs, and we came into this world sinners. But when you give your life over to Christ, you're born again. It's a rebirth. It's a spiritual birth. So what's my responsibility to fix the broken relationship? Well, God wants you to believe in his son. John three sixteen. for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that if you would believe in him, you wouldn't perish, but you'd have this eternal life that he came to give everybody. And this is the deal. Um, I don't know how it works. I just know there was a moment in my life where God opened my eyes up to this truth, obviously. And I just believe, it happened last night, it happened Thursday night, that maybe God has opened up one or two of your eyes here. Your heart's beating kind of weird, you feel kind of sweaty, it's like, oh man, what's going on? I, I don't know how all this works, I just know that it's God who begins to draw people to himself. Wasn't the music, wasn't anything I said. 
God is just moving in some of your lives right now. And you know it. Hard to explain it. You just, you just know something's going on. But here's the deal. You still have to uh, engage your free will. And you can say, you know what? I'm, I'm digging in. I'm just going to leave here and, and go eat food. And I, I, don't, I don't want God in my life. I don't want him. And you can do that. Many of you will probably do that. But there might be one or two of you here and you're going, man, I need this Messiah in my life. I want him in my life. And so this is what I want to do. It's going to give you a chance to invite the Lord into your life. Then we're going to sing one great carol together. Just close your eyes, okay? Just, just close your eyes for just a moment, okay? And here's the deal. I, I don't want you to necessarily pray at this second. I, I just want to get you alone. Forget about who's sitting next to you. Forget about them. This is a moment, for some of you, it's gonna radically change your life forever. It's gonna change your marriage. It's gonna change how you parent. It's gonna change your future. It's gonna change how you run your business. Everything uh, is gonna change here in a moment for one of you or two of you. That is, you're gonna invite the Lord into your life. And this is all I want you to do. Just quietly in your heart, just say this prayer. This prayer's not in the Bible. I'm just going to make it up. But you've got to mean it. Just say, dear Jesus, I, I get it. My sin had separated me from you. In fact, I walked in here tonight and I didn't even believe in you. But you've opened my eyes tonight to the truth. I've been the CEO of my life, and that ends tonight. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I give my life over to you. Come into my life, Jesus. Cleanse me of my sin. And I want to begin a relationship with the God who created me tonight. Now, while your heads are bowed and all of that kind of stuff, if you, if you prayed that, and I, it's hard for me to see, but if, if you prayed that, I'd like to know, would you just kind of raise your hand and let, let, let me see it. I'm kind of over here. Yeah, I see a young guy right down here. Yeah, yeah, I'm back there. Yeah, yeah, I got you, sir. I got you. I got you. Who else? Anybody else? I'm over here. Make sure I see him. You can look up at me. I just want to make sure. Yeah, I see you, ma'am. Yeah, a couple of gals right here. Yeah, right here, man. Anybody else? Well, everybody look up here real quick, Okay. As you can see, the choir's back up here. and This is what I'm, I want you to do with those cards, okay? Everybody, we're gonna leave those cards on our seats and our ushers and greeters will pick them up and all that in here in a minute. But if you prayed that and there were a number of hands that went up, this is all I want you to do, okay? Just want you to put a little star up in that corner, okay? And I have a bunch of cards here from, from, from last night from, from people. 
and these cards will be given to me. And I just want to rejoice in the decision that you made. I want to be praying for you. Once again, I'm not going to show up at your door and say, hi, let me talk to you. I just, I just want to pray for you. And then I, I, I want to send you something, whether it be through the email or snail mail. I just want to send you um, an invitation to something that I do in January. It starts January 13th. It's uh, uh, what we call the follow class. And the follow class is just eight weeks long, and it meets in a room right around the corner over here. And it's a real intimate setting. I get to meet you and talk to you, answer questions, things like that. And you get a little book. We got child care and all kinds of stuff in here because we want you to be here. And here's the deal. If that decision was genuine, you'll do whatever you can to be here. But I've done this for 30 years here at Big Valley, okay? And I know that the music and the thing, you know, some of you guys got a goosebump and you pray and you raise your hand and you're gonna put a star up there. And it really wasn't a genuine decision. And I don't know how it all works out. I just know by the time you get to your car, you won't even think about it again. You'll go home and whatever. But for some of you, it was genuine. Something happened in your life. And one of the things the church does, is one of the reasons why God created this thing called the church is that the church is here to disciple people. And that's just a big biblical word to say that we just want to help you learn about this God who you surrendered your life over to. And this follow class is kind of our first step here. And we want you to be there. It could be that somebody's here and you gave your life to Christ last weekend or a month ago and you're thinking, man, I'd like to go to that follow class. Can I go? And the answer is yes. All you got to do is put a little square up in the other corner. And I'll send you an email, I'll send you snail mail, and I'll invite you to it, to the follow class. All you got to do is just register. And we, kids, we take care of it all. I got coffee, we got donuts. It's really a lot of fun. It's, it's, a, it's a great time. But the only way I can invite you to it is I gotta know you'd like to come. So I order enough books and all that. And so all you gotta do is put a square up there. So some of you will have a star, some of you will have a, a square, and then you're just gonna leave those cards on your chairs, and then over the next week or so, you'll get a letter from me or an email from me or something like that, okay? Let's all stand and let me pray, and then we'll sing one last song here together, all right? Father, thank you again for uh, this great, great music, wow. I'm thankful for all of the people that have worked for months, literally months, getting this all together. Thanks for all the behind the scenes people, all the people made cookies, those that are walking parking lots right now, ushers, greeters, technicians, cameramen. Lord, thank you for all of them. I'm grateful for all of those that are visiting with us. Blessings on them and for those that made some sort of decision here today, God. I look forward to meeting them and helping them maybe tease out whatever it is you're doing in their life, Lord. And as we sing this last song, God, I, I don't know if it was a silent night or not, Lord. I've been in a hospital room when my own kids were born and it wasn't very silent. <laughs> but I do know it was a holy night. There was no other night like the night you were born when the Savior of the world was born, the Messiah was born. That was a holy night, God. Thanks, Jesus, and I, I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Sing with us tonight.
you so much for being here. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who gave his life for us and for the relationship that we can have with you through him. We rejoice in him, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before you rush out of here tonight, I want to remind you, we've got cookies and things that are out there. We want to see you. We want to talk with you. So if you see somebody here in the choir or in the orchestra that you know, we're going to hang out afterwards. Come and find us. We'd love to talk with you. Thank you so much. Have a great night.